Hi there everybody and welcome back to another episode here on the Desi Vesi podcast. I'm your host Akash Bhatt and each week I bring you leading investors and founders investing and building companies in the diverse tech landscape of India. Well, today with me on the show is a very special guest. Back in 2009 when the entire global economy was crumbling and various businesses were shutting shops for good in a quiet place in Mumbai, Ravi Saxena was laying the foundations for his entrepreneurial venture. A perceptive businessman and a risk taker by nature, Ravi believes that companies that are born during testing times thrive when the market picks up. Therefore, undeterred by the testing business environment, he focused on turning the challenge into an opportunity and consequently founded a company that would go on to become India's largest and most recognized manufacturer of cookware and kitchen appliances. Sitting across the table from me today is Ravi Saxena, Managing Director and CEO of Wonderchef. Long before Ravi started Wonderchef, he was writing the recipe for success for various companies such as VIP Luggage, Sodexo and the Landmark Group to name a few. Having had a long illustrious career building very successful brands in the country and disrupting the market, Ravi's journey so far has been rather eventful and holds valuable lessons for every founder building in the country so without further ado let's head into the episode and take a closer look into his business journey and everything that he's learned by building companies and successful brands in the country ravi it's a true pleasure to have you here on the podcast For someone who has read up so much about you and knows about your professional journey, it's truly an honor that I'm sitting here across the table from you and having this conversation today. So, welcome to the Desi VC podcast and here's to another 60 minutes of a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much uh, lovely being here and uh, speaking to you and your listeners. Now, obviously so much has happened over the course of the last couple of years and this is typically one of the questions that I start off most of my conversations with beat vcs or entrepreneurs here on the podcast and i want to pose the same question to you as well looking back at the pandemic and the years and the months that have gone by what have been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned and most importantly what has this period really taught you about company building culture team development leadership and everything else that comes with you know being a ceo Yeah absolutely i mean we have been on a roller coaster journey all through our uh, short life of about a decade uh in building this business normally a decade by current standards is already long but we are in a traditional business of kitchenware so a decade just passes by very quickly because there are incumbents who have been around for almost 100 years 70 years 50 years 60 years in the indian market so yeah we are still the young kid on the block and this is not an industry in which you build a brand overnight it's not an app these are very hard products uh, consumer durables where you have to uh, gain the ground inch by inch you have to fight in the trenches you have to win consumer confidence because these products have to perform literally on fire on your cooktops they have to perform in uh, searing heat and the stress uh, all the mixers grinders smoothie makers so these are things uh, the cooktops the chimneys uh so these are absolutely things that uh, uh you know need to be serviced so your service networks have to be there so you can't build a brand overnight so i still believe 
that as a company, as a brand, we are still young, we are still a startup. And that sets the context for your question, uh, which is how did we survive uh, these two tumultuous years of COVID and followed by uh, a spike in commodity prices due to the unfortunate uh, geopolitical crisis that is going around in Central Asia today. So yeah, like everybody, uh, COVID took us by surprise as an organization in uh, early part of 2020. Uh, suddenly in India, there was a decronian lockdown which was announced, uh, so much so that even logistics were not allowed to operate, which meant a total uh, shutdown of business for almost two months. Uh, even e-commerce wasn't allowed. So except for very essential goods and medicines, nothing else could be uh, transacted. Uh, but one had to pay the bills. Uh, the, the office rentals had to be paid. Uh, the shop rentals had to be paid. Uh, some people supported by just shifting um, the payment cycle. But nobody wrote off their rentals. Uh, salaries had to be paid. And this was a time of crisis. We didn't want to uh, you know, compromise on the salaries that we give to over 500 of our employees. Uh, so yeah, it certainly it, it gave us a lot of challenge. Uh, but not only did we survive, in fact, we innovated, we reinvented ourselves, we thrived. Uh, and so much so that FY21, which was the peak year of COVID, we actually, actually grew by 15% over FY20, rather than degrowing, which was the case in most of the non-essential, non-grocery and non-pharma non industries. Uh, what all did we do? Uh, well, uh, I think uh, a lot of things. Uh, first, the team came together and uh, stood behind the company. There, we had absolutely zero turnover uh, during the first six months of this crisis. There was just such a spirit in the people that, look, here we are together and we have to fight it out and nobody knows about tomorrow. So first two months, of course, nobody was hiring. Uh, but after that, once the market opened, uh, we hired a lot. But uh, by the same standard, our people could also have gone anywhere. But six months, zero uh, turnover of employees. And that's saying a lot because we have employees right down to the promoter level uh, in shops. So even they stood by the company because the company stood by them in this time of crisis. And we kept paying salaries. We increased our bank, uh, bank lines. We dug into our uh, reserves as a company but we kept paying the salaries even during the crisis. And then when the market opened, uh, I think uh, we, we benefited from our teams having stayed together. We benefited from the brand, which we have invested in building over so many years. Uh, we benefited from the e-commerce journey or the D2C journey that we were beginning to take uh, over the previous one year from the crisis. And even though the retail shops were not open, we saw a real spike in our internet sales, uh, which was more than enough to cover uh, the degrowth in other channels, the retail-based channels. Uh, we also introduced certain new products during this time. We work very closely with the consumers. So we were able to perceive that uh, there is a shift in the buying pattern in this time. Uh, some of the obvious things were that in India, as you know, uh, a lot of maids and cooks come home, a lot of uh, cleaning ladies come home. And during the crisis, for almost four months, nobody could come home. People were forced to discover the corner of their home, which is called kitchen. And they were forced to go there. They were forced to cook themselves, chop themselves. And we reached out to our customers saying, hey, listen, if you buy this Wonder Chef chopper, it can make your life convenient. You will not cry while you chop onions in your kitchen. Uh, 
or if you buy this uh, chef soup maker you can actually make a healthy soup and remember during this time health uh, became the center of focus for everybody uh, you could make a soup in 20 minutes flat while normally making a soup cutting chopping boiling the vegetables mixing them in a mixer grinder cooling them down sieving them all that takes almost hour and a half you know soup makers you could do that in 20 minutes our nutri blends which make healthy smoothies sold like hell you know where we really broke all records so we were able to reach out to the consumers and give them what they needed at that our convenience and health together uh, we we didn't uh, jump the gun and like many other companies we were not opportunistic that we will also launch some uh, uh, you know hand washes or masks or uh, health equipment or uh, sanitizers during this time uh, but we stuck to our guns we stayed true to our spirit that listen this is what wonderchef stands for and we will help you cook healthy and uh, we will reach the products to you wherever you are we will take the returns no problem if uh, your building is under ceiling then we will come back to you again and we will not charge you uh, the reverse logistics charges and so on so we were friendly to the consumers and the uh, consumers trusted in this aspirational brand called wonderchef and we were rewarded i had a couple of follow up questions there but let me start off with this one I'm very keen to understand what the company did to maintain its efficiencies especially with respect to operations during this period because one of the things that you mentioned there was how the company thought about reverse logistics and keeping in mind the end consumer and how they will react and interact with the company post the pandemic in this difficult period I wanted to understand what was the company's thinking in terms of managing all the logistics and operations Yeah, so we uh, this was the time when I can say we became a D two C brand instead of a retail brand. What that means is that we started learning from the D two C format. Uh, we started investing in the tech stack, which we had never done uh, as a retailer earlier. Uh, we implemented a, a state of the art WMS system in our warehouse. We integrated it with our Uh, backend uh, softwares and the accounting system, uh, and these were things that, as a retail organization, primarily doing B two B business, selling to our distributors or uh, resellers, uh, we were not concerned by. But this crisis made us realize that we have to reach out directly to the consumers. Our D two C sales jumped from fifteen percent to about forty five percent of the company's turnover, and so we did everything that is needed. Uh, to pivot into a d2c brand uh, primarily driven by tech also driven by the kind of teams we hired in this period uh, we created a full fledged e-commerce team we created a full fledged performance marketing team we created two studios in house in our office uh, because uh, we simply could not go out and uh, you know use other people's studios things were locked we didn't want to be dependent on uh, other people's migrant labors and there was a migrant crisis in india as you know like in many other countries so uh, we we pretty much insourced everything during this time uh, so these two studios they kept churning uh, instagram stories and videos and uh, youtube recipe videos day after day basically making the consumers much more comfortable with the idea of cooking themselves uh, we went into consumer research uh, far more deeper during this time now it may sound counterintuitive that when people were scared that uh, nothing is happening and we don't know uh, uh, what will happen tomorrow we were spending money on consumer research 
And uh, within our office, people said that, listen, we know our brand. We know our consumer. Why do we need consumer research? And uh, what we said was, listen, uh, the consumer has changed. Earlier, our influencer or the real user was that maid or the cook coming in somebody's home. Today, it's the customer themselves. So let us understand from them what they require. And uh, I would just share one uh, insight with you, for example. Uh, well, baking in India has never been very big, right? It's a very Western thing, uh, pies and quiche and whatnot. Right. And uh, while we like our tandoori, and tandoori is rarely done at home. Uh, so we have microwaves at home. We don't have oven toaster grillers at home. Well, some people do, but the penetration of microwaves is far higher. Right. And when we research with the consumers, we realize that uh, when the parents are going, they're trying to pull in their kids also into the kitchen. And the kids do not want to learn how to make paratha and dal and chawal. Mm -hmm. They want to learn baking. Right. This was also the time uh, when people started taking uh, selfies with the omelette they have made or the cake they have made or the pastry they have made and cookie they have made. And uh, they would uh, share yeah, it probably on, on Facebook media. and uh, on Instagram. So we realized this trend and we launched our uh, OTGs, our toaster grillers, in which you can make a cake better than in a microwave. Uh, we launched stand mixers, which you really require if you want to make a nice fluffy cake or omelets or other pies or such, such things. We uh, launched about 120 SKUs in bakeware and they all started doing very well. Now, this is not something very easy for a company to do to kind of turn on a coin and, yeah. uh, you know, be able to reinvent itself. But thanks to the quick uh, decision making, as well as the aspirational brand positioning that we have, we were able to buy the confidence of the, get the, win the confidence of the consumer in these new categories. And they sold very well. So it was a combination, as you can see, of uh, research. Yeah. Be humble that, okay, we don't know everything. We don't take the consumer for granted. Let us go and ask them what's happening in their life. And this was a real insight that, hey, our kids don't want to bake Indian food. They want to bake because that looks more attractive in their selfie. And, uh, and we really hit the jackpot with that. So Ravi, these are some fascinating insights and it kind of reminds me of something Ashneer Grover said, which is Indians need everything at a cheap price, which should also be in a small size. And even after that, they look for discounts. And that brings me to a point of thinking, is the Indian consumer extremely spoiled? And there's a reason behind that question. And I'll come to that in a bit because one of the things you also mentioned in that section was that you're really thinking about what's going to happen after the pandemic because, of, of course, the maids and the cooks are not going to go back into the kitchens and start baking themselves. It has to be something that's a much more layered approach when it comes to marketing and when it comes to targeting these customers. So how is Wonderchef thinking about the next leg of the customer journey, which is the post-pandemic episode? Yeah, so these are, uh, Akash, both very interesting, but both very different questions. I'll take the second question first, that what now, now that the offices are opening and people will be out and uh, the, the task of cooking would come back to the same people who used to do it earlier. Uh, well, Look, nothing is black and white in India, right? It's always in the grays. The data is suspect because the behavior patterns are so different. You know, in uh, you, you live in uh, San Francisco and um, uh, you know the American market also probably very well and you also understand the Indian market having grown up there. Uh, in America, you can rely on data. You can rely on patterns. 
because there is a homogeneity in the society. You know, when a class A customer behaves this way, the other class A customer might behave the same way. If a class B customer or tier two customer in Detroit behaves a certain way, a tier two customer in Florida may also behave the similar way. When they, when you get the second kid in America, almost everybody will, talking of cars, graduate to a multi-utility vehicle, a Honda Odyssey or whatnot, right? But in India, no car company ever has been able to predict that because people's habits, behavior, uh, ability to purchase, even when they have the same purchasing power, uh, their choices, they are so different based on the region they are in, the language they speak, the habits they have, the community they belong to. Two neighbors don't have the same uh, buying pattern, you know. You can almost cookie cutter a lot of things in America, and I don't want to demean it. It's how it is. Uh, but but uh, India is a far more complex uh, uh, let's say uh, consumer population. So uh, absolutely, I will not make any sweeping statements here. One thing I can say is that uh, people have discovered the kitchen in their uh, homes. A lot of them have discovered the joy of cooking for the first time. You know, you may have heard people often saying uh, that I am a weekend cook; it relaxes me. I have heard so many people saying that, hey, listen, why can't I have this relaxation, this joy every day? Okay. It does not mean that they will continue to cook every day, but it means that a whole lot of people who were not even weekend cooks earlier will go to their kitchen in the weekends. They have discovered the joy that getting a thousand likes brings to them on their Instagram when they post a picture of their self-made cake right? Uh, this joy they never experienced before. Okay. This is something you have created. How many things do we create in our life? How many people are gifted painters or singers? You know, one in 10,000. But cooking, almost everybody can do. It's just that we don't do. But with our equipment, with the recipes uh, that power Wonder Chef, Chef Sanjeev Kapoor's recipes, we enable cooking. We make it easier and convenient. So I think this joy is still continuing. Uh, at the same time, uh, we cannot just uh, sit on our haunches and hope that the trends will continue. We again have to be nimble uh, as a company, which we are. So we are in tune with the changing trends. And uh, yes, now the people are beginning to go out. So we are ready with our, uh, for example, I was just having tea from this brilliant uh, coffee mug we have developed or tea mug we have developed. Uh, so people are beginning to drive, going to office. We have just launched this, which is a, a single hand operation mug. So you just press this, pour, press this and doesn't leak and so on. So we are ready with such products. We are ready with our lunch boxes uh, and other things like this. So we, we continue to evolve and yet the core remains the same, basically convenient cooking. So uh, we have to be nimble as a company. We have to be in tune with the times. Mm -hmm. Not everything will change and not everything will sustain. Uh, but we are ready for that change and we will continue to offer to the consumers uh, what their preference is. Mm -hmm. uh, now, uh, coming to your first question, which I think is uh, deeper, uh, yeah. that is the Indian consumer spoiled for choice, yeah. for speed of delivery, for the, the convenience. Yeah. convenience, and do they want or not want to pay for it? Right. Well, look, I would say that the Indian consumer actually has been deprived of good things of life mm -hmm. for the longest time. 
I think their set of expectations is a bit different from the Western consumer. Mm-hmm. The Western consumer is perhaps not so spoiled for convenience because they still have to do their hard work of doing the grocery every weekend because home delivery was not a thing. Now, I'm not talking of today's times when you have the somatos and equivalents of the word uh, everywhere in the world. Uh, I'm talking, let's say, three years back or five years back. In India, we were spoiled for convenience because you could dial your neighborhood grocery wala and they would deliver things at your own home. Uh, you can easily afford even the middle class in India who may be struggling to find um, the fees for a private school or uh, money for the admission for the kid into a medical college. Even such a middle class person in India can afford somebody coming and cleaning your washrooms. Okay, They can afford somebody coming and washing your dishes at home, washing your clothes. So yes, we are spoiled for convenience just because there are more people available to work. Per capita is lower, right? Uh, while in US, you may be very rich as per the Indian standards, you can't afford a driver or a maid coming home that easily. Correct. So yes, for convenience, we are spoiled. That's a perspective. And... Uh, for choices uh, of products, we were actually deprived. I mean, again, since I mentioned cars, and that's the easiest example to understand, for the longest, longest time, <laughs> during most of my growing up years, for example, the only cars were the Fiat and the Ambassador. And uh, you used to remember God, thankfully, in their times, because once you put in the key, you have to take God's name to say, Ki start hogi ki hogi. Would you know, would, would the engine sputter to life or not? And believe you me, 20% of the times it didn't use to, and then you used to keep a hammer in the back and you will just go and tinker around the engine and something will happen and it will start. So from those days came the Maruti and the biggest joy was that if you put the key in the ignition, it will start. Can you believe uh, this used to be the biggest joy more than anything else? And it wouldn't stop midway and there will be four people coming and pushing your car. So such was the deprivation and the same was true for consumer goods and everything. Uh, and to an extent, it still remains because uh, uh, it's a vicious cycle. The consumer does not have that kind of money in the pocket, right? Disposable income is lower. Even today, the Indian per capita is uh, probably about 30 times lower than the US per capita or the Western European per capita. It's about 10 times lower than the Chinese per capita. So we simply cannot compare because prices of goods are almost the same because a product is made industrially, right, on on a mass scale. And uh, the commodity prices are same all over the world. Uh, The transportation prices, the gasoline prices are almost similar all over the world. In fact, more expensive than India, than in US also. So basically, if I'm selling them a uh, griller or uh, or a pan, the pan in India costs almost the same as in America, and the buying power is 30 times lesser. So it's just a perspective, right? Uh, so I would, and, and hence, what happens is that a lot of companies simply do not give higher quality products to Indian customers because they tend to believe that the Indian customer would not be willing to pay for them. And that's a very important insight because that has helped me build brand condition. My a large part of my career was spent with the uh, French and Italian firms. Yeah. And these two countries are the proudest about their culinary traditions. 
right the french and the italians and their food is also considered at the top level in india and uh, i spent time in some food businesses i built the business of sudexo from scratch in india for 12 years uh, i built the food service business also in sudexo where i was employing at one point in time about 1000 chefs in the company we were managing more than 500 large kitchens so i looked at equipment very closely and i could figure that there is a huge difference in the quality uh, we use professionally the quality that westerners use in their homes and the quality that is available for indians in their homes if i take a simple example a non stick pan in india the coating used to come off in 6 months time sometimes even in 2 months time it will get wrinkled and frizzled and then you have no other choice but to replace it or sometimes there would be an exchange mela and you will feel very happy that at least i got a 20% discount on my new purchase and uh, that i used as an arrowhead for entering in the indian, indian market i said why should it be so i went to the factories in india i went to factories in italy and i figured what is the difference the quality of the raw material we are using the dust free environment that should be there the processes you need to do for cleaning and uh, surface treatment for a pan before you put a high quality coating there simple processes but if you don't follow the process you would not have the output right and we launched pans with a guarantee of 2 years that if in 2 years the pan becomes white or becomes frizzy it becomes wrinkled free replacement okay and uh, we became known for our quality and then we innovated uh, the nutriblend which which is the largest selling mixer grinder in india today uh, basically because everybody was just cookie cutter uh, of one old design with three steel jars you yeah. cannot see what is happening inside things will go bad chutney is not being made properly and so on and so forth we introduced nice transparent jars but huge power so that you don't feel underpowered you make nice chutney you can grind masalas uh, which are very popular in india the fresh garam masala or jeera masala and of course you can make your smoothies much more easily and uh, in the last 7 years since launch it has become the number one mixer grinder in india and uh, at a consumer level this year will be selling 200 crores uh, or 2 billion rupees worth of uh, nutri blend alone so uh, these things uh, the consumer has rewarded us uh, and i would say they were not spoiled for choice in fact they were uh, waiting for choice to happen and we have grabbed that share of the market uh, goes without saying it's not easy to sell quality because quality comes at a price right. and when you are in the top 10 percentile of the choices naturally the market is a bit smaller for you people yeah. have to discover you you have to sell the hard way you have to market uh, at 6 feet distance from the consumer you have to demonstrate a lot you have to be willing to work harder than the others and this is the job we have done and thankfully that is why we have been able to build a very sticky brand with the consumers today but uh, have i answered your question to an extent oh absolutely you have and it also makes me think that over time the indian economy has moved from a sellers market to a buyers especially today given that the number of options out there for the consumer to pick from is plenty and for a long time we always associated quality with the post sales customer service and that had always become a benchmark how consumers valued a particular brand especially with respect to quality now durability is a different thing because we never looked at durability as much because the price came into the picture however that too is changing as consumers are exposed to better products across every income strata of the indian society today so that brings me to the question 
now that there is education about quality and durability among indian consumers how do you then attract them given that there's so much competition across any particular sector within the d2c market and then ensure that conversions are taking place at scale you could perhaps take your one of the products in your business line to talk about it or just the entire company in general it's been our organizational strategy uh because i'm very close to the ground in india i understand india's geopolitics i understand india's uh, uh behavioral patterns to some extent nobody can fully ever understand it in their lifetime but mm-hmm. at least i appreciate them and uh, as i said we have to be humble in our approach we cannot say this is who we are or this is how we would market one has to uh bring specific solutions to the specific problems that are there in india uh since i understood this complexity of the market uh now when a new brand enters india what does the brand do everybody has heard that india has a very large general trade distribution network mm-hmm. so the brand intuitively thinks that hey listen uh, i have to appoint 200 distributors there is a playbook uh, you have to appoint 2 to 400 distributors under each distributor you need to have about 100 to 200 dealers i'm talking about consumer durable numbers not fmcg mm-hmm. numbers which are far bigger uh, and thereby you somehow get present in between 10 to 20 to 30000 outlets and you do some atl and uh, above the line marketing you spend money and uh, pickup will start and then you hard sell and uh, the pickup would continue to take off modern trade in india is still very uh, small and i think it will never become very big now because e-commerce now will not let it expand too much Mm-hmm. so general trade is the key surprisingly for the first 5 years of undershift we didn't have any presence in general trade and that was a very courageous step to take as you can imagine because this is how brands enter india this is how they grow but this is also how a lot of brands in india die forever yeah okay? because uh, it's a ruthless market out there yeah you need to put a lot of money up front and you're never sure whether it would pay you back so what we did instead was something very innovative we built an omni channel distribution strategy uh first we created a network of women entrepreneurs who we motivated to market these good products our motto was good products for good people sold by good sellers okay so we built a network which we called dth direct to home network and uh, it's not really multi level marketing kind of a scheme but it's direct sellers under certain distributors who come out of these ladies themselves we appointed about 200 such distributors step by step it didn't come on day one it took me 3 to 4 years to reach that level and uh, we created systems uh, we we had an all india team which will support these distributors in recruiting sellers under them uh, the homes of these distributors or these uh, and they were all ladies as i i repeat Uh, their homes became the training centers or wonderchef offices if you may uh, for each region for each town people would meet them over tea and coffee they would uh, see the demonstration of our complex and not so complex products and uh, they would have fun and the whole idea always was healthy cooking these ladies uh, today uh, we work with about 65000 such ladies across 1000 towns in india and they really uh, we owe it to them for having built wonderchef brand because they used to invite people for shows in their homes and 
about 20 people will attend the show uh maybe at the end of the show only two or three would buy but the other 17 who have seen our products they would never forget them right because it's very up close and personal it's a two hour show with sanjeev kapoor's recipes with nice products and a nice atmosphere uh then we expanded to modern trade because in modern trade you are dealing with b2b partners okay and uh, the lifestyle and home center and home stop shopper stop hometown uh, reliance retail vijay sales so we worked walmart metro we worked slowly we began working with all of them uh, today we are in about 1200 doors but what we did here was we invested with stock so if you want to sell outright to them you can have only a few products at a time the brand appeal will not be there we invested with stock okay i said the stock is better on their shop floor rather than my warehouse okay so we let it be there it was an investment in stock because we would get the money only once the products have sold right. but because my products were there when the customers came to buy fashion in a home stop or shop stop and they it. saw my products which were also colorful and designer which is what we are known for they would see it the brand would establish in their mind right. and we started selling very well and i can proudly say that in modern trade in department stores bondeshev is the number one brand for the last 10 years then we went into tv shopping uh, much before any brand thought of it we went into tv shopping and uh, we had credible products sold in credible way at the right price points uh, something that indian tv had not seen indian tv was full of sona belts and magic pens and here came wonder chef with very quality high quality products uh, chef sanjeev kapoor himself did these shows which added further credibility and all these things helped us build the brand so you are getting the picture right we went through innovative ways we started selling from our own website we established a small website even when the logistics was not fully really developed uh, we groomed we cracked the uh, problem of cash on delivery with one of the courier partners and we started selling on our website much before amazon and flipkart had come in, into the country in fact we learned together they used to come to our office and at times ask that how do you crack this category where products are fragile and they are voluminous because remember everybody started with books earlier okay so uh, so we did a lot of innovations and thanks to which last year when the crisis came or in 2020 we were able to pivot very easily as compared to other brands on the digital journey uh, so yes we always maintained a very demonstration led approach uh, we invested in videos i spoke about the studios how many companies how many brands do that we did that because for every product there are multiple videos which help people decide it they help people get comforted that if i invest in this product this is how i'll be able to use it uh, we invested in a service network today i have 62 people full time on my roles uh, who are dedicated to service this does not include the 40 people call center and 200 distributors and their employees who are dedicated to service so the service network is bigger than my sales network today because that is the promise we have to the consumer as a premium brand so uh, it takes a lot of innovative solutions at times people laughed at us investors did not believe in us that uh, i mean how would your unit economics work but these are precise precisely the reasons why our unit economics work better because india is not just full of poor people there are a lot of rich people a lot of people who want to live a quality life even though they may not be that rich and they were willing to pay for our quality they were willing to pay for our non stick pans where the coating will not get mixed with their food and uh, they might have to ingest it 
they loved our cold press juices uh, when we founded them in india uh, because they could have the best juice possible they loved the nutri pot because you can click a button and cook a biryani to sambar to cake to soups so uh, in a automatic pressure cooker so whatever innovations we did we were able to take them to the market through a demonstration led approach so metropolitan india gets this right because there's such a little bit more forward thinking they are more open to experimentation how do you take this approach to middle india uh i think uh, like many things akash here also i have my own take i don't go by published data because you know i am charting my own path and as i said data in india is never reliable not because of the researchers but because of the unpredictability of the indian consumer tier 3 tier 4 they are very dear markets to us despite being a premium brand for very interesting reasons and different reasons first of all the most obvious thing even in tier 3 cities there are some rich people what access do they have to products there are no shopper stopper lifestyles or nice showrooms there right the brands were never distributing there because there were no distributors of such products there there right. will be a distributor of tata namak or a life boy there but nobody is selling uh, even a chef there or a, you know you, you get my point yeah so they, these people were always looking at uh, delhi and bombay saying yaar yahan pe log kaise consume karte hain and like uh, people from delhi bombay used to go to dubai or new york to do their shopping yeah. these people come to delhi and bombay to do their shopping and say ki hum wahan se leke aaye hain now e-commerce is making things access, accessible to them it has made things accessible accessible to them so when we went on e-commerce we found that uh, while in retail we were not able to reach out to these towns and we also as a younger brand took time today we are present in about 10000 retail outlets uh, generated outlets but as i said for first 5 years we were not there in last 5 years we have reached about 10000 outlets but by and large they are in tier 1 tier 2 towns right because it takes time right but through e-commerce today we deliver to more than 22000 pin codes in india hmm. to more than 2000 towns and cities in india and there is a market everywhere because there are people with aspiration and with the ability to spend everywhere and they they did not have access to the products that's number 1 second point very interestingly and again our research showed is that disposable income in a tier 3 town is higher now in bombay uh, i can tell you i i, I became a ceo at a, at an age of 25 years because i joined sodexo i brought them in france i brought them to india effectively i was the india head uh, with a three people team and then we grew to a 30000 people team over next 10 years but the point is that at the age of 25 i was i was a ceo pass out of iim ahmedabad paid well and it took me 10 years of saving frugal living compromising on eating out and uh, foreign trips with my family to save money to buy my first house right okay in tier 3 city you don't struggle for a first house mm. it's already there somewhere if you are a middle upper middle class guy you continue to live in a joint family with your parents or even if not housing is not that expensive as yeah. in bombay or delhi and the biggest purchase anybody would ever make in their life is the house okay so if you are not stressed with a house your standard of living is certainly much higher and you want to build a nice life for yourself in the house that you live in which includes having a nice kitchen or nice uh, tableware and so on 
So these things also made us realize that uh, yes, there is uh, opportunity there. So today, when we do our uh, performance marketing, uh, we target uh, tier three, tier four people also specifically. Uh, now let me go down to the product. Now I have spoken about the market and the consumer. For sure, uh, there are certain products for which a tier three consumer may not be willing to pay the same price. We don't have much product differentiation. Our NutriBlend sells everywhere with the same gusto, and it's a premium mixer grade. Uh, our cookware sells to the same spirit. The question is not tier three, tier four. The question is really, do we want to move below the SECA and B plus consumer? And yes, we have aspiration to be a thousand crore brand in the next three years. Yes, we want to uh, bring an IPO in the next three years. So uh, the question is, what do we need to do for that? For that, we may need to offer some solutions to the class b consumer also not only b plus so we are doing that in measured ways but without compromising on our quality we may compromise on certain features of the product to give you an example we are known for soft touch handles in our frying pans our cheaper frying pans may not have the soft touch coating but the same quality backlight handle which will last the same quality non stick on which we will still give two years guarantee, but we just cheapen the price point by twenty percent. We are even willing to take a slightly lower margin to address that larger market, so that we can reduce the price by twenty percent and move down the pyramid a little bit, where the market size is twice as big as that the top of the pyramid. And I am not talking about bottom of the pyramid for sure. We are right. not a brand at the bottom of the pyramid. So, uh, and and the classic example I take sometimes is Gillette. I may use Gillette. Mac Five, where each blade costs about six hundred rupees, but when I go to a hotel and if I have to use a use and throw blade, if it's Gillette, I'm confident that it's a five rupee product. It's a five rupee blade versus a six hundred rupee uh, Mac Five disposable blade. But I know it's Gillette. It will not tear my skin, but I'm not expecting the same experience from a five rupee Gillette as from a five hundred rupee or six hundred rupee Gillette. But there is a certain guarantee of quality, so right. that's the thing. You can develop a product with the same values as a brand, but it may not have certain features, and for sure, that's why you are able to sell it cheaper. Right. A very interesting point in the comparison that you make between a brand that's established itself at a certain price range, which has guaranteed quality and durability, and when it enters a different market, it enters with the same you know brand perception. and therefore you are able to like trust even though the pricing goes down you know that yeah they may be compromising on the on 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 little bit in terms of the cost of goods but that doesn't mean that quality has not been kept in mind when designing the products it's just Correct. for that purpose because a mac 5 blade will last you 2 months right this one you use for one shave and you throw it away you throw it away but it's 5 rupees or 10 rupees right absolutely so so it's a rough example now it it doesn't work always yeah and let me also clarify that since uh, you are uh, very interested by the brand uh, well it may not work for mercedes for example a right. mercedes cannot say i will launch a car to compete with a maruti or a hyundai yeah. and uh, you know so what it, it won't last the same way right yeah, yeah. but wonderchef is not mercedes correct okay i don't want to be deluxe mercedes after having an iconic brand right i mean everybody's aspirational brand and what not it sells 10000 12000 cars a year in mm-hmm. india mm-hmm. so we are not mercedes we have larger aspirations uh, sometimes if forced to compare i compare myself to a skoda or a volkswagen 
Right. Like, look, we are a reliable and honorable brand. I'm not deluxe. I'm premium. So you've obviously built this fantastic brand that's had an amazing presence both offline and online. And taking a traditional retail business and bringing it to e-commerce and therefore enabling your brand to then penetrate multiple markets and get into various households is not an easy job. I'm sure there were a lot of learnings along the way. And one thing I'm really curious to understand is that the initial challenges and hurdles that you had to pass through to establish your brand to what it is and where it is today. There are plenty of founders who are trying to take their offline businesses online and really build a very successful brand as you have. If you would share your own personal insights based on the brand building that you have done by taking an offline brand online, what would those be? And if you could share those insights with some of the founders who are building companies today in the Indian market, it'll be a fantastic learning experience for them. Yeah. So I'll first tell you what worked for us uh, because that I'm very sure of. And then I will try to extrapolate it. Uh, Look, I, I I think our biggest strength was that we understood our consumer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that came from our DTH, direct-to-home presence, because right. we were almost in direct touch with thousands and thousands of women who were investing in our product one piece at a time, selling that, using that for their own home also. You know, They were also buying for themselves. And they would be ruthless in their feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay. Each one of them thinks they own a part of the company, and it's true they do, because... You know, they, they, dedicate, they dedicate their life uh, to that work. You know, they, they enjoy it. They take pains at it. They are not natural salesmen. We have trained them into being courageous. So the feedback that we get from them, the insights we get from them about products, the foresight we get has been tremendous. So we always understood our consumer better. And uh, what I understood was that, look, uh, we are at a certain level not deluxe, but premium. When the digital landscape started building up in India, so first came internet. As I said, we were the first ones to have our website and start selling from the website. When Facebook started happening uh, for shopping, initially Facebook was just contacts, right? Uh, Friends. When they started allowing advertisements, when they started allowing corporate presence, uh, we were the first brand in our industry to latch on to that. And same for Instagram. So if you, uh, maybe you have already done that or after this interview, I would uh, encourage you to do that. Go and check our social media assets and feed versus some of the other competitors that we have, larger ones also in India. I can tell you we are 10 times larger in our social media presence, in our community that we have built. And you know, these are the buzzwords to be able to build a digital brand. You need to have a community, you need to have content, and you need to have uh, uh, a large fan following. Right. So uh, for example, on Facebook, we have uh, about 1.1 million followers. On Instagram, we have close to 500,000 followers. And our nearest competitor would have 10,000 versus 500,000. Right? Uh, on Facebook, people have about 100,000 versus 1.1 million open digits. That allowed us to pivot because we already had a fertile ground ready. That's one. Second is flexibility as an organization. Now, since we were already multi-channel, a culture of mutual growth and coexistence was already there because in an organization, like any political structure, you have to muscle your way for space. 
for relevance. In most organizations, you would see is the sales head, VP sales is the king, right? And uh, he is typically holding general trade and there is somebody managing modern trade who reports to the VP sales. Politically, it's, it becomes very difficult for an organization to create a very strong entity of e-commerce parallel to this person. Also, your whole general trade ecosystem is anti-internet, right? Because if Amazon discounts, some dealer out there is losing sales. And Amazon does discount. Flipkart does discount. So it becomes very difficult to manage and grow that. Precisely because we did not have a huge dependence on trade, we were able to balance this. We had our share of challenges, but we were able to balance it better than some others. Okay. And then you have the usual DMDC strategies, different models, different channels, etc. But the consumer is not stupid. I don't believe too much in that strategy because just by changing the model name or packaging a little bit, you are just calling something else. Neither is the dealer stupid. So I don't believe too much in that strategy. I believe in price parity to the extent possible and be fair to every channel. So uh, these were some of the things that helped us uh, being a relatively new player. And I know of the struggle that the traditional brands are having. Uh, then it's a question of investments. We invested in a performance marketing team, studios, graphic designers, photographers, chefs, e-com dedicated team in-house. We insourced everything. We don't have any advertising agency because we believe in this fast changing world. It's very important to collate the learning within the company. Gone are the days when an advertising agency used to create a kick-ass campaign and everything will run around that campaign. Today, every post is a different campaign. You have to learn fast. You have to do your analytics. We have created an analytics wing. We have created a tech wing. So we have about 50 people dedicated and, and we are still a young and small company. 50 people team dedicated to uh, digital uh, ecosystem is a lot. But we have invested in that and we don't burn cash, right? So we have done all the while staying uh, in the positive. Uh, so I think that's been a tremendous achievement uh, of our team's uh, uh, success of our strategy. And I believe we are just getting started because uh, it's only now that we have some understanding of the ecosystem and we are able to leverage it better. I mean, we may do percentage wise, we may do better than others. Uh, but I think there is so much still to do in the digital landscape, as is there so much to do for us in the retail landscape also. We are present in just 10,000 outlets. Our large competitors are present in 100,000 outlets. So you can imagine the runway that we have now to grow in general trade also. We also are very successful with the army canteens. Uh, we export to 10 countries in uh, US, Europe, Middle East, as well as uh, Pacific. So we have a strong B2B wing, which is corporate gifting and alliances. So we have actually 10 different channels headed by 10 business heads, right. whom I call CEOs. Okay. And, and that's what makes Wondershare what it is. I love how you've captured both the offline and the online side of the journey. And that brings me to a question that I've been hanging on to since the beginning of the episode, which is the need and the intent behind raising venture capital. The only reason I ask that is because I'd like to understand the role VCs play in helping businesses such as yourself scale to the next level. And what I'm really curious to also understand is the things that they bring to the table in terms of resources, knowledge, 
and not just capital that kind of helps you go from where you are right now to where you want to be in perhaps 5 years 10 years down the line look uh, for the first 5 years we didn't have a vc in the company we just bootstrapped with a little bit of friends and family support and uh, i wish we had because we had i think uh, our journey could have been more robust our branding our tech stack could have been there right from the beginning uh, we have not done badly uh, people appreciate us but i know that we could have done better uh, when we had our first investment in uh, 2015 well what we got was money i think that was very important because we were struggling for working capital uh, and i think we had already done such an interesting job building the brand without any atl marketing just btl and demonstrations yeah uh, that when we got that money we were able to double our turnover immediately uh, within one year okay people were just waiting to get our products and we we didn't have enough to supply to them because of lack of working capital so i think that was really a boost and then uh, we got our second uh, capital from amicus and i think what amicus brought to the table for us was a lot of support in governance you know uh, because while we were on this journey uh, to grow fast and create new products and very exciting marketing pieces i think somewhere uh, as very often happens we did not develop our systems that well uh, our control processes our data uh, controls and uh, even our simple things in governance like board minutes etc you know they they had uh, uh, let's say possibility of improvement and uh, which is all something that we learned a great deal i mean amicus said look we don't uh, want to teach you sales and marketing you are very good at it but uh, let's just fix these things uh, and and we fix them uh, recently we were supported by sixth sense which i think is absolutely the smartest consumer fund in india absolutely it's a different level and the kind of companies uh, sixth sense has invested in the fellow investee firms that i see i mean they are so inspirational and uh, i i learn from them i i meet those founders who have just started businesses 2 3 years back some even 5 months back 4 months back and i sit and i learn from them because i think we have to learn a lot lot still as a in our d2c journey and yeah. how people are finding very interesting solutions yeah uh, to problems that are very india specific i mean uh, yesterday i i met somebody who has started this venture of collecting uh, flowers from temple Mm. temples uh, in some cities and converting them to incense sticks which is predictable but even mm. artificial leather which i was blown away right? mm. and and they're solving two problems at a time one is uh, the cow hide hide problem and uh, the other is of course the pollution problem created by the flowers which are covered with uh, pesticides etc right so such brilliant and which other country has this problem we yeah. none <laughs> and 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 i think that is the beauty uh that while on one end manufacturing is getting developed in india and to give you a perspective about 3 years ago 80% 85% of our products were made abroad in italy korea and china uh today 80% are built in india uh we have partnered with three factories who exclusively make for us we partner with 45 other vendors who make for us and uh, it's just incredible the way the indian ecosystem of manufacturing has grown that coupled with these amazing solutions the apps uh, which are coming in to plug 
the holes which are there in the Indian ecosystem, in the Indian society. It's just unbelievable. I mean, that makes you believe in the future of India so much more. Going back to the point about, um, you know, you said you perhaps would have liked to raise money slightly earlier in your journey. Do you think you'd have been as frugal and innovative as you've been in the earlier years if you received operating capital and funding compared to when you raised your first round, when you were more established with a lot of learnings about the Indian market? Do you think that, you know, you'd have been as innovative as you perhaps are right now? Uh, very, very interesting point of view, Akash. Probably not. Because the uh, money is, uh, when the money comes in, it's not only what I want, it's also what the investor wants. Investors want. And the first thing that the investor wants is higher growth. Exactly. So I think we learned a lot. We had the luxury of time to lovingly develop the products that we wanted to give them a, enough time to mature uh, frugal marketing. Absolutely. Because every time the money came in, we thought so much money, now we don't need more. I mean, when I say so much for us, it was always five to seven million, yeah. unlike hundreds of millions which are poured into D2C brands today. And right. they, they, they burn a lot. Uh, but yeah, even that five to seven million was a lot for us. And, mm. uh, you know, we used to think we will never need money again. But once the money comes in, it goes out very quickly. You don't know how the, I mean, uh, sometimes I, I laugh with my team that, look, we don't seem to have enough people. Everybody is asking for more people. And uh, we used to do half this turnover with all these channels which exist today. No new channel has been developed. We used to do everything, half this turnover with one-fourth the team. And ideally, it should have been the other way. If I doubled the team, our turnover should have increased four times. Right. So absolutely right. I think frugality teaches you a lot. And that learning, uh, my own involvement uh, with the team, as you can see, I am on the top of uh, the products, the finances, the teams, it's very important. And uh, the moment you have funding, you kind of hire top-level people and sometimes you end up delegating too much and things get out of control. So anything could have happened. Yeah. The, I am talking about the positive aspects here that yes, our branding and tech stack would have been better. But I think we could have lost a lot also, which makes us uh, what we are today. Well, Ravi, clearly you built some iconic brands during your career, all the way from VIP luggage to Sodexo, to the Landmark Group, and today with Wonderchef. And I'm keen to understand if there was something that you'll do differently today if you were to restart your career all over again. And that is taking into account everything that you've learned over the course of the last 25 years or so of your life. Look, I will share with you what I did and what I believe made every venture that I did successful. And I think that's been a blessing. Almost nothing that I did... Uh, closed down or, you know, uh, got busted. But before that, let me say that uh, the kind of creativity and belief that I see in a lot of entrepreneurs today is just out of this world. I mean, I, I couldn't have imagined. I stand humbled, frankly, because, uh, I mean, of course, you get better at what you do. So yeah. I probably know my business better than anybody else. And somebody who's trying to solve the flowers problem knows that. And I'm all wow. But yeah, I mean, that's his business and he has understood it. Uh, and yet to have the belief to dedicate your life to something like that or to something like, you know, uh, as I was saying to you, India has the largest problems in the world. We have the second largest population and the largest set of problems. Uh, like the other day I was listening to somebody 
that India has the largest cases of largest number of cases of ovarian cancer, uh, primarily driven by the fact that we uh, still continue to use cloth instead of uh, sanitary pads. And so there is this huge market and so many brands making local sanitary pads, NGOs and funded companies and so on and so forth. Uh, but yeah, everybody is using uh, their own style, their own uh, bag of tricks to make it successful. So I think uh, these are very India-specific problem. I'm sure in some places in Africa also you have seen problems. But you will talk about if you lack at best a few million people. Here you're talking about uh, half a billion women having that problem, right? On the, the penetration of sanitary pads is barely 23%. So these are very interesting problems and large-scale problems in India. And I think the best minds are now coming into uh, all this. Uh, very often I see entrepreneurs who are not only from IITs or IAMs, but people who are from Harvard or Stanford and whatnot, and they are leaving back lucrative, guaranteed dollar careers and incomes in US and uh, fighting it out in the dust and grime of India and getting rewarded for that fairly quickly, I must say, because funding is there. You, you, you leave Stanford or UPenn and uh, come here, the funding is there for the asking. And I think, uh, and I think it's being uh, utilized properly also after after a couple of years of uh, burns which didn't make sense i think now the business models the vcs have also understood how to analyze the business models better and which ones to bet on and which ones not to bet on having said that i will just share what i did in my life uh, and today uh, i have crossed the age of 50 i can look back more confidently while i was growing uh, you know i i I said, yeah, this is who I am, but this is how everyone, everyone is or everyone should be. What is the big deal? But looking back, I can see the careers of my classmates, of others, uh, through the school or college or MBA program, where they went, where the companies went, where a lot of entrepreneurs came to me and took advice, whether they followed or not, they did better or not. Uh, so today I can more confidently look back and say, what made me successful? And what made the organization that I worked for successful? So Ravi, if I could just interrupt you here for a moment and ask you about one thing that stands out from your own professional journey. What has been your biggest strength? I think my biggest strength and which I would recommend that every entrepreneur should have has been unquestioned dedication. Uh, and that includes everything. That includes that one who is paying you, who is employing you or it's your own startup and you have raised money or put your dad's money or put your own money. You owe it to yourself and others to make it work. Okay. There were times in Sodexo I could have run off. You know, there were other lucrative offers. But until the time I felt that I have built all the five businesses and now I can hand over these businesses to somebody, I let go of revolutions. I let them pass me by and they were more attractive. Uh, the private banking revolution, the telecom revolution happened in India. I'm talking 90s and early 2000s. Uh, the retail revolution, you know, which was very much up my street, uh, the insurance revolution and all these guys were willing to pay four times the salary of what I used to get. But I said, no, first I have to do my job, whatever I have to do. And I have taken upon myself to build this company in India. I've loved the company. They have loved me and I have to do it. And I think if I had given up, a few of the businesses of Sodexo would never have been built in India because they, they used to keep studying. They used to keep appointing researchers and firms but they could never decide. And because I was here on the ground, I said, you let me do it. And even unrelated businesses, let's say I start with the vouchers business, uh, the meal coupons business. 
and india was the only instance in the world where the voucher company also started the food service business the facilities management business the smart cards business so pretty much everything that should exhibit uh, and, uh, and i think it only came because of unbridled dedication that look i will work hard 14 hours a day and i will make it work and i am not running away you know life is long uh, career lasts you typically 35 or 40 years reputation lives throughout your lifetime and there is no point in running away and that's that's the message i try to give to my employees as well some listen some don't listen some are willing to jump for a 10% differential and my my uh, philosophy in that is like the american philosophy we don't negotiate with terrorists so i said look at the time of increments we will discuss but you come and you present a paper in front of me saying that hey listen i have 30% increment if you are willing to give me 25 i will stay i always refuse no questions asked because giving to one means i am being unfair to everybody else and everybody else can have the right you know what i mean so this is some of the tenets i have lived by they worked for me we have lost good employees also but so be it i can't afford to lose everybody i can't afford to pay 30% more every year to everybody so yeah dedication is one uh, second is knowing the consumer which i have spent enough time on so i would not repeat but i think there is no substitute to that sometimes we think our idea is the best and as you can see throughout my career whether it was building the trolley luggage in uh, vip which never existed before in india and it turned around the fortunes of skybags as a brand it became bigger than multi luggage there was nothing in india so how do you test something which does not exist how do you test the concept of sodexo with your b2b potential clients when it does not exist and yet i spoke personally to hundreds not dozens but hundreds of potential customers just understanding from them challenging the idea so that when i am ready i know the answers to those challenges before then so yeah consumer insight is a great thing third is i think positivity enthusiasm never say die spirit dedication is my personal but it's also my role as an entrepreneur as a promoter as a leader as a manager at any level in the organization to create that spirit of pioneership and enthusiasm in my teams and it can only flow down if i am not uh, hard working enough if i am not celebratory enough it will not spread so i think these are some of the things and uh, yeah uh, always uh, innovation always uh, uh, never say die never say no spirit so whatever it is whatever problem i believe that there is a there is an answer to it at least there is a best case answer to it you know yeah. it may may not be the perfect answer and don't wait for perfection at least start moving in that direction and i have seen more often than not it has worked for us these are obviously fantastic insights ravi and i'm curious to understand if there's something about the indian market or the consumer that still surprises you to this day and if there's something that you still don't understand about it i mean lots i mean i i probably understand 2% of what needs to be understood as i have said all uh, always that nobody can understand in their lifetime uh, it's humility no 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 not really sometimes i i believe uh, we don't do enough to understand the consumer also sometimes i don't know whether the data points we are gathering are even the right ones or not right. you know and we take a leap of faith some things work some things stick so no absolutely there is so much more because also you know uh, funny that i say that while on one hand i am saying that i have always believed in speaking to the consumer but i have never believed in research mm-hmm. okay so it's it's contradictory right yeah 
because uh, yes i understand the consumer i go by the gut feel i analyze with my own mind i talk to the teams and we take a decision uh, but at times uh, the consumer is not giving to you clear insights because as i said there is no homogeneity yeah okay Yeah. So what you will get is an amorphous mass, and probably a lot of like qualitative research. Yeah. You have to you have to make something out of that, yeah. right? And quantitative research anyway in India can be so confusing. So yeah. I will I always believe in qualitative research, deep questions, yeah. focus groups, etc. Quantitative research can be directed in any direction, and uh, yeah, nice. you can follow that on the at your own uh, pitfall. And, you know, yeah. one is always in awe of. people who have worked in levers or nestle because they are so research oriented great marketing companies mm. and uh, i always question myself of course uh, whether i am doing the right things or not and there, there was this classmate of mine and she has launched some of the most iconic brands over the last uh, 25 odd years with levers and nestle and uh, in india and abroad and we met at a reunion uh, of our campus in in ahmedabad and i was asking her that listen uh, i i you know this is the way i'm doing marketing the way i'm tracking your progress it's very interesting i said how can i understand the consumer better how can i uh, divide my marketing dollars better between atl and btl and ott and this and that and and what she said was so beautiful she said ravi i have known you always as a very intuitive marketer and that's what has worked for you don't change that and right. and for me that answered every question because i think you become an entrepreneur and you build a brand at an organization in your reflection mm. okay it's not somebody else playbook that you can follow right it can't be templatized and once you have done that you suddenly try to force different things just because you heard a new strategist or you heard a new gyan as a be humble absorb from everybody then be true to your spirit and improve upon that rather than chopping and cutting things and doing something different altogether because somebody else said that So what she said that you are an intuitive marketer, I think that stuck with me, and I've continued on that advice over the last four years. This was right. four years back, uh, and uh, it has helped me great deal. Well, Ravi, they also say that a lot of who the founder is reflects in the company or the brand that they're building or have built, and I can say that that's also true in a lot of sense with what you're doing at Wonder Chef. But if you were to take an introspective lens to your own journey and how you've built Wonder Chef. how much of you can we find in wonder chef and how much of that has been a very conscious decision in terms of building the company out it's not about how much should reflect it's about the fact that it does okay it does whether you like it or not mm. it does because that's what makes a company a company right now let me clarify that let's say i am a very classy guy who will you know wear things in a certain way and i will be always in branded shoes and this and that and yet i may build a brand which uh, since we took the example earlier which is providing a 10 rupees sanitary pad uh, to the consumers i can absolutely do that so in my personal lifestyle i may be very high class i may be very health conscious sipping only the finest of organic green teas and so on so on and yet i am doing something i'm solving a problem of sanitary pads right so naturally my own persona is not reflecting in that brand right right but it reflects in the way i do things in my life it reflects in the way 
my people are mm. with the class or style they approach the things with mm. the dignity they approach everybody in the ecosystem mm-hmm. okay. so that is a reflection of the entrepreneur right it's not about my personal beliefs or the brands i use i will only if i use hermes tie i will only make a hermes tie no it don't work in india mm. but who i am my deepest beliefs my behaviors the organization becomes that whether we like it or not at least in the first generation ravi i really don't want to end this conversation but unfortunately we are at the end of our time it's truly been an amazing experience sitting down with you and hearing about your professional journey and most importantly how you have thought about building all of the organizations out at various points in your career one thing is for certain the companies have changed but the ideologies and the philosophy behind organizational building has kind of remained the same all throughout your life this is truly a masterclass in terms of how organizations need to be built but most importantly of how leaders need to develop their own mental models especially when it comes to organizational development understanding the customers and in my opinion the most important crux of company development which is thinking and strategizing about day to day operations thank you so much for being extremely candid in sharing all of your previous experiences and how you are building wonderchef out and what the vision for the company is and where it's headed over the course of the next 15 20 years thank you akash uh, you are very kind thank you for the appreciation thank you for the very insightful questions and picking up everything from what i say and leading to the next one that's very very smart indeed uh, and i think you helped build it this way and as i said i am an intuitive person so if you ask me the very set same set of questions tomorrow i can yeah. tell you the answers will be in the same direction but yeah. may not be a copy of what i said today and right. that's what being intuitive means for me well that brings us to the end of this particular episode and i'm truly lost for words ravi did not hold back in terms of sharing all of the insights from various periods in his own career and i think every founder in today's ecosystem can take something away from listening to ravi's journey well if you are like me and you enjoyed this episode and every other episode that we've been bringing you so far go ahead and rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting platform while you're at it also drop us a review because it really helps others discover the show We've got another fantastic guest lined up for you here on the podcast next week so make sure you tune back in again and see who we've got in store for you. And until then, stay safe everybody and continue to keep hustling.